Hi everybody, hope you're well. Welcome to my weekly podcast. I had a little bit of a rebrand this week. Uh, well, I was thinking about a rebrand, but um, I was trying to think of a name for the um, for the podcast, and I kind of ended up with this sort of drums in the house thing. I was thinking maybe it should be just, it should be drums in the shed. Um, so yeah, bear with me as I maybe tweak tweak around with different titles and stuff. Um, I was basically I had to make a decision this week with the podcast uh, because I host it on a platform called Podomatic, um, and I like Podomatic. It's a you know kind of feels like a smaller company and you know, one of these sort of companies you, you know like support and the, the customer service is very good if you send them a message even as a free user there's a couple of people on there uh, a guy called Sloan and a guy called John uh, or Mark as well I think um, anyway they seem to be the people they, they seem to reply very quickly and they're really helpful and they do these kind of little campaigns you know and if you sort of um if you interact, they give you something for free. So I got into this bit of a weird situation with my membership where um, I had huge amounts of bandwidth, which I clearly don't use with this podcast, but it's very uh, bespoke audience, I would say. Um, and uh, I appreciate everyone that listens, but it's not a huge listenership. Um, so I had this like 20 gigabytes a month bandwidth or something, or 200 or something, it was something crazy, which I clearly don't need. But I was struggling for um, storage and I was getting, it was getting full. So I, I did this interview last week, um, well, it was a couple of weeks ago now, with this guy called Richard Cass, Rich Cass. Um, and it's a great podcast if anybody... Um, hasn't listened to it i really recommend it i don't normally recommend uh anything that i do actually but i i genuinely um i recommend going have a listen to that really really interesting i got i got a lot out of it i'm going to talk about some of the things from that that inspired me this week actually uh, that's what today's kind of podcast about we'll get onto that in a minute but um it was a long podcast anyone that's listened to it knows it's um it was two hours about two hours 15, I think, something like two hours 20, something like that. The actual amount of time me and Rich were talking was about four hours. And there was a load of stuff before and a load of stuff afterwards, which I edited out because it was just, you know, stuff that was just two blokes chatting about nonsense, really. Um, but, yeah, I just thought, oh, crikey, it's going to be a long, 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 long podcast, you know. Um, so I kind of found, you know, uh, somewhere to begin and somewhere to end and then bookended it with myself and put some audio clips in there that Rich wanted me to, to add in and it was great to be able to put a few music clips into last week's. It was really nice to kind of do that. It's quite challenging to edit that, but, uh, yeah, so, but I ended up this thing where I was going to upload his podcast and I was like, have I got enough space? And I was trying to upgrade on their platform, you know, and it was like, because I had all this free bandwidth already that they'd given me for nothing because I'd sort of interacted with a few campaigns. They had like a COVID-19, a coronavirus campaign thing where I'd sent like a message and just positive message vibe. You know, it was just like a positive thing. They had a thing like do a podcast every day and 
talk about how you know how you're dealing with the the current situation reaching out to people around the world trying to get people to share their experiences and and it's just that it's a really positive thing isn't it about you know if you sort of share your experiences every day um it can help some people that maybe feel a bit isolated and what have you so um and i clearly didn't do that because i've not had a podcast out every day but i um i just posted something about i said i'd just done a podcast about exactly that thing and blah 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 and, he, and one of them had, had listened to it and they thought it was great and stuff so they give me this kind of free this free bandwidth thing so anyway this is a very very convoluted story sorry uh, but i ended up in a situation where in order to kind of upgrade to the space that i needed like the package that was going to give me to go from two gigabytes to two and a half gigabytes was quite a lot of money and and it was wasn't worth doing, you know, for the money, because um, I was already like for free getting a package which was way above, like the then you get a free package, then there's like an entry level, you know, like a basic sort of podcaster, uh, where you get basically you get access to your your analytics and your stats, which I didn't have access to, and, and I don't really understand any of that stuff, so, um, so I wasn't really interested. I just needed you know somewhere a platform to put it on that i liked and space to upload the mp3s every week when i recorded my podcast you know and i wanted to be able to just you know uh, sort of drizzle on for two hours and talking nonsense and not worry about you know doing a two hour or one hour or three hour podcast um so i got to this situation where i was running out of space and so i reached out to this guy sloan you know i said listen i'm in a bit of a predicament here i really want to keep my podcast on your platform because i like your platform i don't want to move i could have migrated all of the mp3s to another platform and it's very easy to do with this rss forwarder and stuff i could have done that really easily i said but i don't really want to do that i just want to you know i like this platform and i want to support the platform and i'm happy to pay uh, so I've, this is the first thing i've actually paid for now i'm actually you know paying to host this which is uh, a bit of a commitment for me it's not a huge amount of money um and i'm not asking anyone to help me out with that or like people do all the time patreon and all that kind of stuff uh, but i'll get to something about that in a minute but anyway so uh they did me this amazing deal i just said i just need the space and he went oh right okay great well if you uh if you put this code in then you can get this uh, level of kind of membership for this yearly price, you know, and it was a it was a, f- a phenomenal saving. I mean, I'm genuinely hundreds and hundreds of percent off the, the kind of price. So that was kind of I made that sort of commitment this week to this um, to doing this thing um, weekly, obviously, which I've been doing you know since the beginning, pretty much. But also to sort of buying a bit of space, you know, and uh, going from uh, two gigabytes of space to 20 gigabytes of space, which is obviously it's a finite amount, isn't it? So at some point I'm going to be running out of 20 gig um, and then I'm (laughs) going to have to sort that situation out. But, you know, we'll get there. The the next package they have up is is unlimited space. So I imagine it'll be that and there'll probably be some... Um, be able to come to some arrangement out with them um, we'll see but there is always the option of you know you can if I got to if I got to the point where that was full I could move it somewhere else and just put my new podcasts on a different platform and then and just put them through the RSS feed on 
to Spotify and uh, and all that stuff. And so the thing, anyway, that happened this week that was really good as well is that I listen. I use the Google Podcast app because I'm an I'm an Android Samsung phone user. I'm not an iPhone person, but I do have a Mac. Yeah, I've got a couple of Macs actually. But the phone thing, I've always been. Well, I was a Nokia person originally, then I moved to Samsung. So um, I've always kind of had this thing with Google, basically. So, you know, I've got a Gmail and all that kind of malarkey. Um, and I use the Google Podcasts app on my on my mobile phone to listen to podcasts, because I listen to a lot of podcasts, as I've mentioned before. Uh, but the thing that Podomatic was struggling with, or it was very complicated, was to get my podcast onto um, the Google podcast platform. And just uh, the end of the week before last, uh, they made this announcement uh, via the sort of messaging system saying that it was like quite a big deal, actually. It came up when I logged in and said, we, are now, we can now get you onto Google podcast much easier. And here's the steps to do it. And I was like, oh, cool. So, because I'd done the Apple thing, and it's really easy. They made it so easy to get onto the Apple podcast, the iTunes thing. Uh, it took like five seconds. And then it, I, all I had to do was kind of, you know, re-log in on the Apple side and then do this RSS feed thing. Dead simple. Spotify was even simpler. It was literally just a thing of pressing a button because they seem to be well syndicated to the Spotify thing. I don't use Spotify. I don't have it installed on any devices. I don't. It doesn't seem to work, and I just don't use it. Um, so I'm kind of I'm I'm a bit of a confirmed Googleite, really. You know, I'm a YouTuber, really avid YouTuber. I'm a Google podcaster. They're the platforms that I really listen to a lot of stuff on. I listen to some stuff on Podomatic as well, um, which uh, which is only on Podomatic. So, um, yeah, anyway. So I got to, I went through these steps, and eventually now my podcast is on Google Podcasts. So if you're a Google Podcast person and you've been having to listen to this, say, on Podomatic or something, you don't normally really check out that site, then, yeah, you can get me on Google Podcasts now and you can actually find me and it works and you can subscribe and all that stuff. So anyway, so this week was a, it was like a, just, um, just on the podcast side of things, just a bit of news with that. I was, uh, well, my, my other half, my better half, as they say, my girlfriend is, um, she's in the middle of trying to set up a kind of, uh, a membership, like a, um, thing on like facebook online you know for um for musicians for she's got a kind of target audience and it's sort of more beginners really she's trying to work out who her audience is at the moment i mean i'm in the midst of all those conversations which is um i don't feel like i'm much help really but we you know we're chatting through things and it's like lots of kind of brainstorming and stuff but she's in the middle of doing all that stuff and we've been talking a lot about are kind of um, are the purposes of what we do, and I've always been adamant about this that it's that the podcast for me was originally started and remains a way of archiving ideas um, first and foremost, and then I decided to share it um, and not make a big deal out of it, just share it. And and share it through 
mainly the Instagram kind of um, social media thing because that's really the only social media that I do, and, and I, I like Instagram, and and I, I like a lot of people on Instagram that I follow and follow me and and have some interaction with, and yeah, it's quite. Um, the audience has come through that, so it's felt like the audience is, is you know, has a very similar feeling to that. And uh, but people use different platforms to listen to stuff on, so you know, it's been uh, a lot of people I think use the Apple, the iTunes thing, and it's been some nice things on there written about it. It's good, which I'm you know really buzzing about. Um, but I was kind of thinking about ways in which to grow the podcast, you know, or or um, just to include more things or more options maybe for um, an audience, if there is an audience for it. So the interviews thing is certainly going to do more of, and I've been talking about that for a while anyway, and that's definitely going to happen. I'm doing something on Tuesday with an old friend of mine. I'm not going to say who it is, but he knows who he is. Well, of course he does, because he's going to be doing this thing with me, but... Um, yeah, that should be good fun. And it's going to be a bit different. It's going to be, hopefully, uh, both going to be able to be playing and chatting at the same time. We've both got very similar setups, I think. I've got a feeling that we're, it's going to work quite well. Um, the idea was a, was a kind of get-together Zoom drum summit between the two of us because we haven't seen each other for a long time and... Uh, and also because obviously we've been in this situation for a while, but we have, we you know we haven't really seen each other in real life for quite a few years because we don't live in the same cities anymore and we're both very busy and stuff. Um, so yeah, that's going to happen. I've also got this other interview that I'll hopefully be doing with my good friend uh, Sebastian de Crom. We've talked about that again last week. The main barrier there, and Seb knows this, is technology. Um, Seb is. Uh, He's an incredible human being, an amazing musician, drummer, just a brilliant human being. But his technical knowledge of computers and things is um, is, is pretty, um, yeah, it's pretty rudimental, shall we say. Um, so trying to find a way to record us both and uh, just for him to to believe me when I say, look, you can just put this thing on just talk to me over zoom or whatever and then send me the file and i'll put it together and it'll sound great anyway so that's that's something that's going to happen so i'm going to do more of those and i've got quite a lot of other people that i want to um get together with There's a couple of other people that have asked me about doing them as well so um hopefully that'll be something will be happening soon but then i was thinking about whether there were um other ways to add kind of material or add value to this thing using the patreon thing which i've never used before lots of people seem to do it lots of things i watch on youtube uh, involve patreon i mean like for instance um i watched this guy called steve summers now this guy he's a i don't know anything about this guy he he lives with his family in the middle of nowhere somewhere in america i don't even know where it is and he's like a, you know, he's an engineer -y sort of person. He has a workshop and stuff. And uh, I got into watching it from another YouTube channel where this guy I watched called Big Clive. Anybody that knows me knows I watched the bigclive.com thing. And he's a Scottish guy. He's an electrical engineer. He's very funny. And his videos are brilliant. And if you want to learn about circuit boards and LEDs and, and all that kind of stuff, 
watchbigclive.com. He's a brilliant, brilliant thing. And watch it on YouTube. It's not a podcast. He uh, should do a podcast. But the main, the main thing that's great is that he has his bench. He has a camera above it, and he, you just see his hands, and you see him take things to bits that you don't have to take to bits. And it's just, you know, if you're into that kind of thing, it's mega. Anyway, he he mentioned this Steve Summers guy. He said, oh, this, I can't believe this 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 guy's got this workshop and it's by a river and the whole workshop's falling down. The, the, the floor has cracked in the concrete. And I was like, this sounds interesting. So I went to start watching this thing. And this guy's rebuilding on his own with the help of, like, his dad and, and, his, and his wife and his son. The, 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 the best thing, actually, about it, when when you watch it and it's really lovely some of the episodes is is when his son's helping him. his son's quite young you know and he's just like his son's like doing all this kind of digging hardcore stuff and he's just getting on with it not moaning not being a sulky little teenager he's just literally helping his dad rebuild this massive workshop you know and uh and they talk about this patreon thing all the time you know so i went i, I went and had a look at his Patreon thing, and uh, and it's like, oh yeah, you know, actually, people do support stuff. If if someone's got a story to tell, or or people are interested in something, but um, I was thinking about whether there was uh, ways in, in which uh, I could support this channel by using the Patreon thing, different different uh, different kind of tiers of say like a membership thing or something. I don't know. Uh, it all feels a bit strange. I don't feel like anybody would be interested. But but the one side of things that maybe I was thinking about was kind of uh, as an ed- as an educator, which I do, you know, which I am, and that's one of the main things that I do now, and and I've been you know pretty successful at that in over the last kind of fifteen years. Um, well, well, I was doing it a long time before that, but that f- for me, I feel like I've I've been involved in uh, in the kind of education that I've wanted to be involved in for the last 14 15 years and uh and with this you know the coronavirus thing this lockdown thing and all that a lot of my music friends have gone online with their private teaching as well as the college teaching we you know we've been doing all our college teaching online and it's been worked fine for me I'm well set up here the camera that I use for all the Instagram stuff is um I use that, and then I have my other camera on my on my uh, computer, which is the kind of camera I can speak into. So I've got two camera angles. I've got all mic'd, all the gears mic'd up. So the sound quality is really good, and uh, you know, it's just a. It's, I mean, it's the sound quality is way better than the bandwidth can deal with. You know, um, so that side of things is really well set up but it this feels like the worst time to to launch your kind of online teaching career you know come and study with dave walsh online when everybody else is now doing it you know but i was thinking maybe it was something that i could do um as part of the podcast you know as a kind of patreon thing offering um kind of lessons at a discounted price and also some other some other membership things like some extra content and uh, bits and bobs of other things. I haven't 100% thought about what they are yet, but uh, it's something I'm thinking about and um not sure if I'm going to do it or not. But Anyway, I feel like I've been going on forever about nothing, really. And, uh, yeah, I have. And, yeah, sorry if you can hear a sound in the background. Uh, it's really warm. And uh, this is my favourite time of year for weather. Um, I'm, you know, I am... 
of Irish descent, redhead, and I don't like the heat. Uh, I mean, I'm talking proper heat. My my girlfriend, she can deal with 36 plus degrees all day long. She hates anything below 25 degrees. And I'm I'm optimal at 24 degrees. It's like 24 degrees is this is the you know the premium temperature for me with the sun out. And at the moment, that's what we've got. We've got this beautiful weather, and lockdown has just started to ease in the UK, as you probably all know. Uh, anyone that's abroad is is probably way ahead of us. But um, it's all a bit crazy. I'm not totally 100% sure it's that safe. And I'm certainly not going to be just going out and doing whatever I want to do. It definitely doesn't feel like um, safe to do that at the moment. But um, but we've got this allotment and we've got the garden. I've been doing a lot in the garden and doing more in the allotment, getting a bit better at that, trying to be really you know positive and helpful with that. It's not something that I've really kind of got into in the past, but um it feels like at the moment because you know it's a little bit of it's a bit unsure how things are going to kind of pan out in the uk we've got a, you know, a sort of series of events that have compounded um our current situation you know we've got this thing of brexit which we haven't sorted the trade side of that out you know and whatever people's opinions on that are, it's happened and, and we've you know the plug has been pulled now um and we're going into really unsure times now because brexit has to be the negotiations have to be finished the trade side of it has to be agreed it's like how we're going to do that in this current situation and then we have you know we have this um this current situation with moving goods around the globe you know in in a way which in the past we've you know not even thought about and uh some real positive could come out of this and um in real, just in relation to self-sufficiency and people thinking about uh where their place on the grid is you know and i'm not talking about like the grid in it's in sort of time sense groove sense i'm talking about the grid the national grid electricity and all that kind of stuff and about you know grow your own and all that kind of thing and uh my you know my other half she's had this allotment for years and it was she, she was it was a very very successful allotment a few years ago when we first met she was um i think i've mentioned this before it was like national uh sorry regional uh allotment of the year for two years and and there's like a, yeah it was a very very good allotment on both on produce and on kind of look you know and it's a very very well established allotment it's got excellent soil um and it's you know it's it's very clever in the way she you know rotates the beds and grows different things over different years and um it's like this year you know we moved all the strawberries she moved them all to different beds this year so the strawberries are, are kind of bedding in now and in, in three new beds and they're doing quite well actually uh even with this sun and, and we've got you know not a lot of rain so um yeah so it's kind of like i've just kind of had a different attitude while i've been um you know it's been like a place where we've been able to go because the allotment never closed and there was not a ban on movement to the allotment in this region of the uk some regions did close allotments and and this uh, the council here didn't and uh, there was protocols in place to go in and out mainly it's just you're spraying the lock and the gate and stuff and making sure that you you know everything's cleaned when you go in and out i just i just wear gloves when i go in and out and spray it with it's disinfectant stuff and whatever. Well, once you're in the allotment, you're 
you know, you're miles away from anybody. It's a, it's a big plot, you know, it's got fruit trees and fruit cages and stuff on the on the back of the sheds and the greenhouses, and then there's 15 beds on the front. So, you know, and it's kind of changed my view on it quite a lot. And also the garden, it's like, because uh, a lot of these, a lot of things with gardens and stuff is if you don't have the knowledge, you've just got no idea what you're doing. And I, the last few weeks I've learned a lot about the garden, you know, I've been kind of getting into knowing what a weed is you know and what what isn't a weed and uh so yeah it's that's been a really positive thing and just thinking you know long term about this kind of thing of like you know do do we need to go solar or do we need to definitely think about some kind of uh energy storage system you know because um, it just feels to me like things are going to get more expensive food's gone up hugely in the lockdown if you anybody's noticed when they're shopping you know uh, i mean we do bigger shops we're going and shopping for a whole week uh, i'm just going once a week to the shop and, and you know so we're not doing this kind of shopping two or three times a week thing but it's definitely i think the prices have gone up you know uh on on certain items and i think that things will go up further you know um so yeah, it's just thinking about stuff like that, about self-sufficiency and, and all that kind of malarkey. Um, but yeah, I can't, can't totally remember why I went down that to that particular rabbit hole. But it's just been a you know funny time thinking about all that kind of stuff. And um, in, But the main thing has been enjoying this weather, you know. And... Uh, it's very hot in the drum shed. So when I started recording before, I had a fan on behind me. Um, I was talking about this background noise thing, this reference to this background noise. There was a fan on behind me and there was a fan on in front of me. And uh, I just did, I always do a little test recording because I'm using a slightly different setup tonight. I'm using the same mic and everything, but I'm just using it via a different sound card because um, I've kind of got this new setup for uh, playing and teaching um sort finally sorted out but uh i've got this fan heater um going on sort of behind the mic and, and hopefully you can't hear it too much but it um it might be a bit of a funny background sound so um but anyway that's like 30 minutes of uh of time you'll never get back sorry about that um so we'll get on to this the subject of today's podcast, which is basically, it it's like it it, it was inspired by um, what I was talking to Rich about last week, or what Rich was talking about. Uh, the core thing that he was really talking about, and that really came across to me when we were chatting before the podcast, and then then there's, there's a lot of stuff when you get into the podcast after about sort of 40 minutes there's a long quite a lot of stuff where he talks about this this idea of really learning stuff like the internalizing things you know um and one thing that really came across to me the way he was talking is that he doesn't he doesn't get into exploring stuff uh, in the music that he's playing until he's really internalized the kind of rhythmical structure of things. And I was, so it got me thinking, uh, you might have to bear with me with this kind of tangent, and it's just, you have to bear with me every week if you listen to this, but this kind of tangent of thought, this, I was 
practicing some stuff this week that was in it was an odd time signature a couple of things and it was it was coincidental um you know on, on the back of rich's podcast and the interview and the that podcast just because rich plays you know in lots of odd time signatures and stuff um he, he's also played a huge amount of music in in regular time signatures and done a lot of pop gigs and you know he was involved in some quite big bands uh, before the kind of career he's got now, um, which he, he mentioned a bit in the podcast, but we didn't get too much into that. But um, but he's made this, you know, he's gone down this kind of avenue of uh, this approach to the instrument, which is, you know, both coordinationally very challenging and rhythmically very challenging. And, uh, and and really, it's all coordinationally challenging, really, because it's it's a it's it's like a three dimensional coordination thing. I see it as you know the the rhythmic the complexity of it is also compounded by the coordinational complexity of it in, in relation to what the limbs are doing and what he wants to achieve on the instrument. But on a much simpler level than that, I was practicing some stuff in odd time signatures, and um, this week, and I was working on kind of composing um, like different ideas of claves within 23 beats, you know. Um, and this thing that I wrote, and I put these a couple of videos that are out at the moment on the Instagram thing that, uh, and I've been kind of tweaking this um, <clears throat> composition a little bit. And I've kind of got to the stage now where actually the um the composition has kind of taken on a slightly different twist with with the uh, with the clave and i was working on it again last night actually and um anyone that knows my playing knows that i'm not someone that plays regularly in odd time signatures i'm talking about him when i'm playing music you know with the pro people and projects that i work with generally it's not something that I do, and it's not something I'm uh, very good at either. I mean, it's been like the like talking about this teaching thing. The last fifteen years for me have been a very humbling experience um, in watching students that really do want to go down that avenue. So we, you know, at Leeds, we're very lucky. We, especially a few years ago, we had um, another guy called Jesse Bannister, and then we still have a member of staff called Bupinder Chaga, who um, who were both kind of specialists in this kind of Indian classical tradition, you know. And particularly Bupinder, he's a tabla player, and uh, he's um, you know, like an amazing uh, Indian classical player. And so you get this kind of thing for young students that are interested in contemporary jazz, and they're listening to players like Dan Vise, you know, which uh, which Rich was talking about last week, for instance, uh, or Ari Honig, you know, they've they've all studied some of this kind of conical system. Um, there's two these kind of southern southern Indian and northern Indian. And they're slightly different, and they I think the 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 the, the, the sounds, the vocalization of the sounds are, are different. Uh, the tachydemia and tachytone and all that stuff is is different in the north and the south and the con different conical. And I know this guy called Asaf Circus who used to teach at Leeds and a brilliant uh, drummer lives in London and Germany. Um, and Asaf is a he's a conical specialist as well. And he was teaching at college. And and then we got this guy Dave Hamlet, who's a great uh, British drummer, 
from Derby. Um, and Dave is also really, uh, like, really knowledgeable with, like, kind of polyrhythms and odd time signatures, and he's really into that stuff, uh, especially understanding playing in, like, fives and sevens and things. And it's so I've been kind of surrounded by, like, tutors that are amazing at this stuff, way ahead of my knowledge of it. But also students, and you watch how they get immersed into this world and how good they get at it, you know. And so I genuinely, I genuinely know how much of a kind of, uh, well, how limited my knowledge of this stuff is. And so anyway, I was messing around with this composition again last night, this 23 thing. And originally the, the, the riff that I wrote was, was in groups of three. And then the final thing is a two and a three. You can play a three and a two, but it's like one, two, three, two, two, three, 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 four, two, three. And then it's a one, two, three, two, two, three, three, two, three, one, two. And then we start again. Or you can go one, two, three, two, two, three, 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 four, two, three, one, two, three, two, 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 three, three, two, one, two, three. So you can have a two, three thing, a five grouping at the end. It's either two, three or three, two, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I was then like messing around with it last week and you know 23 is also you can have you know four four so four lots of uh of 16th no semi-quavers um or um or quavers whatever way you want to think about it and then seven beats so you can have this 16 and seven basically you know so it's like another kind of like uh, oh yeah yeah because you've got yeah 16 then 4 is 20 and then 23 and then I was like thinking actually what feels more natural to me is three kind of uh, takidimis will be, uh, you know groupings of four so it's like thinking of it as like a, th- a bar of three four and then then two more beats of that but thinking about it as a new bar of three but beat three is truncated into just three instead of four semiquavers so you get this one two three one two three one two three and it's just like that kind of thing of like you've got the long three one two three and then you got the next three the last beat is truncated into three. And I kind of like that sort of symmetry with it, you know. But one of the interesting things I've noticed about my playing, my timekeeping when I was playing, this is a kind of the, the crux of the podcast, really. And then there's some other ideas that I wrote down that were kind of coming off that and in, you know making me think about the way I was practicing things. But I was basically... The main riff at first was this thing that was in triplets. And I was like really struggling to go from the triplet thing to when it was, instead of it in groups of three, going into this thing of in groups of four. And it, I was finding it surprising because I've been practicing a lot of swing music, uh, so triplet-based music, music that's 6, 8 or 12, 8-based music, triplet-based music, whatever you want to think about it. But then doing a lot of things where I was accenting those triplets in groups of four, and and I was getting feeling for me feeling really strong in that area and feeling like I was really getting on top of things. I've been practicing this exercise that I'd learnt off. Um, well, it's a Jeff Tame Watts 
uh, thing. And it's a group of, it's, it's triplet quavers, but you, you group it in five and it's got a specific stick in. I'm not going to get into that now. But I'd got into, I'd been practicing that a lot. That was why I'd been practicing the thing before that, the triplets and then the groups of four, because I wanted to practice this thing of, of triplets in groups of five. And Ari Honig, uh, six, eight months ago, had been at college and he was doing this thing where he was he was clapping, uh, like walking in triplets, and clapping in groups of five on top of it, you know. And he was like, oh, yeah, 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 I can see that. And it kind of linked in with this Jeff Tame what sticking thing that I was... Um, practicing mm. just to say the beer of choice for this sunday evening is the argus import premium lager which is Lidl's cheap four percent stubbies and uh, i have to say going down rather well um and as my friend richard hammond always says they're like a little eye bath you know because you just kind of and they're gone um, but yeah, I'm trying to be trying to be good with the beer and the weight and uh, lockdown. I have to say, I've been very lucky. It's been very kind to me because I've been quite disciplined with my aging metabolism, as they say, which um, I definitely have that. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I don't want to go off too off topic. So. I'd been, yeah, been practicing a lot of this triplet-based music and groups, putting the triplets in accent in groups of four, uh, and then doing this Jeff Tone Watts thing, which is in groups of five. It's got specific sticking. And I was getting, you know, doing a lot of practice with a metronome. I was getting good at it. I thought, you get on top of this, you know. Anyway, so I was writing this thing a few weeks ago and started practicing it again um, this last week. And it was a kind of coincidence of having the podcast with, with, uh, with Rich. But... Uh, and it was nothing to do with the old time sequence thing. It was to do with the thing that he was talking about of this idea of really internalizing something um, before really exploring it. And uh, and I was like, oh yeah, well, I definitely need to do that with this twenty three thing because I can't play in twenty three. And in order to be you know really expressive, I need, really need to get into what the core of it is. And then I got down this rabbit hole of, oh, yeah, I can have it in you know, these groups of whatever, three beats of whatever, and then three beats of this, and then the three-eight thing, or, you know, blah, blah, what the thing I was just talking about. But the, the last thing I was, like, I arrived at last night as well was, you know, four lots of five, and then a three. You know, that was another thing that I was getting into compositionally. I was thinking, oh, maybe... I can tweak the composition so that another section has five, 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 three, which is 23, isn't it? You know, four lots of five and three. And uh, and then I was listening to myself when I was recording. And then I was also, uh, I've been working on this other piece, which is just in uh, a regular 4-4 four, four time signature. And I was trying to work on this kind of pattern. And I realised that um, actually I was thinking, have I ever really practised in 4-4 properly? Like really, really practised in 4-4 properly and in 3-4 um, because in, you know, in the culture I 
grew up in. They're, they're the, the sort of time signatures that, for me, and like 12-8 triplet-based music, or music that had four beats in the bar, or three beats in the bar, these three time signatures, well, you could say 6-8 as well, but, you know, it's basically 12-8, 4-4, and 3-4. They were the predominant time signatures of my early kind of experience of of playing music and of listening to music. And because they're so ingrained, I was thinking, have I ever really practised these time signatures? You know, because I feel very lucky in that I I feel like I have an inherent sense of form when I play the drums. I always know where I am in, in the music um, if I'm paying enough attention and and here's the key is that i'm thinking actually am i paying enough or or uh the right amount of attention in four four and three four and twelve eight or six eight or am i actually not paying as much attention as i should be because i feel so comfortable in those forms and it really led me down this whole thing of like kind of rhythmical accuracy with within different limbs essentially and uh and so that was the kind of thing i was talking wanted to talk about today and, and you know uh, where we're kind of where we're at now in this kind of in this podcast so it was like a sort of um i was thinking i was making some notes about well, what i always do during the week is as i'm especially as i'm practicing and up, up here working on stuff is if i think about something I make an I, I put it in my phone. I've got this this note which has all of my podcast notes in. It's this really really long document now, and um, and it's great, you know, because that means I've got this kind of archive. I've got this audio archive, and I've got this kind of written archive, and um, it reminds me of the Dave Hassel archive. I've, I can see it here. It's in front of me. Um, he gave me this book a few years ago, and I've talked about this in previous podcasts. But it's like. It's all of Dave's teaching material up to that point, you know, all in one book. And it's it's a mega thing. It's an encyclopedia thing. It's hundreds of pages. It's like a really thick, ring-bound, it's like a big real book, really. And uh, there's loads, it's funny, because when, when he gave me that, I remember looking through it, and there's loads of things in there from, that he gave me when I was 17, you know. It's like, oh, yeah, there's that thing. I, I, I still have my own copies of it, you know. Um, everything Dave gave me, I've still got my own copies of, but it's actually all in this book, you know. So, um, but just that thing of yeah, and I wrote this sentence down, like you know, this podcast is um, it can obviously be presented as a kind of selfish reflection upon um, one's inability to actually play in time properly. You know, and I was thinking, is that a bit harsh? Because um, I can play in time. I play. I mean, I play more now with metronomes and clicks than I ever have done because, um, because of you know the way in which I write and practice at home. Um, far more disciplined with a metronome now than I used to be, and with a click track. And I feel, um, I don't feel a slave to the click track anymore. I feel like I can. The the, the click track is playing with me. I'm not playing with it, and uh, and that's come about by mostly by you know doing it but then rich you know he, he listened to that podcast the week and he was talking about really zooming in on like whether or not he's within 10 milliseconds you know of the click and some people might think well that's like you know you don't need to be that kind of that sort of precise about it do you and it's like 
Well, depends on the situation. You might need to be. You know, if you're if you're working with a certain sort of producer and they and they need you, and time is like precious, you know, um, like they're on a really tight budget and the studio's expensive and you've got to get in there and do it in two takes and there's not a lot of options and they don't want, they've got not got a lot of editing time and you know it's like maybe a quick turnaround thing and all those all those things are going on. Uh, the one thing that you want to be able to try and do. Um, to make everyone's life easier is to play really close to the grid, you know, and really get into that thing. And then the main thing I was realized last week, anyway, what I really noticed was, and it's the same, you know, I realize it's the same problem for me. And I talk about this a lot with students and and people I talk to about playing. Is that my right foot is the problem here? And I realized that I don't concentrate in the right way in my right foot um i i concentrate i sort of focus on the wrong thing um in my right foot when i'm um playing certain sorts of patterns and certain sorts of things that i feel like i can play so when i'm teaching anyone that i've taught will will remember these conversations i have this thing where i talk about about how you're doing what you're doing and about focusing on the sound that you're making and where the sound's coming from as opposed to um like the technical or the coordinational side of something now there's there's a obviously there's a caveat in this that one must have worked the coordinational side of it out first but i've seen in lessons with people that have been struggling with coordination i've seen them have really good results when they think about how they're doing what they're doing and where they're playing from instead of getting caught up in this kind of mathematical game of coordination uh, or worrying about the technique you know like instead of thinking how am I doing what am I doing and where am I playing from they're thinking oh am I playing heel down or am I playing heel up or am I playing molar technique or am I playing finger control you know they're different things aren't they there's there's the sort of there's the approach to the instrument. Are you a heel up player or a heel down player? If you're a heel up player, do you play you know ball uh, heel or do you play heel toe? You know blah blah blah. If you play heel down, it's pretty kind of simple. But you know do you play heel down? Do you play into the head or do you come back off the head? Do you come back to the start position. You should really always come back to the start position. The one thing I noticed this week when I was practicing again is certain patterns that I play. I don't come back to the start position in the right foot. I stay at the head. So then when I'm coming to play the next phrase or part of the phrase, I then got to come up, pick the foot up to play the next stroke. So it's like there's like weird little inefficiencies going on in there, you know. And some of it, I think, is actually linked to this kind of idea of, of having taken these familiar time signatures for granted uh, for years and years and years, you know. And uh, and I just think about some of the really good musicians that I've worked with over the years and how good their time is, you know. And I think maybe just this kind of priority, you know, what is the kind of priority of the, either things that they're practising or the things that they prioritise by muscle memory in their playing, you know. And it's kind of interesting, uh, thinking about whether 
have, have I had the right priorities? You know, I don't know. Um, I don't think it's like, you know, an earth-shattering discovery or anything. It's not going to, you know, I'm not going to suddenly give up playing or not be able to play. But it is interesting to always consider uh, different ways to uh, to be aware of time about you know about how you're aware of the t- of the of playing time you know what you're actually listening to because because I believe personally I believe that your feel the actual feel of what you do will always come through you know um I think that we we can make adjustments in approach but the feel will always be the same, you know. So I think if you've got a good feel, and I think I've got good feel, I've got a nice sound, you know. Um, I think that fundamentally things will always be okay. But I can, I, I can definitely always improve my time, you know. So then it was, uh, I was getting into this thing about thinking about um, the clarity of understanding like a concept or a singular practice task. I wrote this thing down um, and being like specific. And then it was, it came from this idea of, I was thinking, thinking about, oh, do an episode on, on this thing about taking your time to practice things properly, um, which is slightly different than the thing I've talked about before of just practicing properly. And it's kind of, li- it's been linked to, um, this current situation that we're in, um, this lockdown thing, I've had a number of conversations with friends, colleagues, uh, and fellow musicians. And, uh, and some of the friends and colleagues are not musicians. They're, they're, they do other things in life, but, um, you know. And we've had these conversations about lockdown. And one of the, one of the fundamental things that we've all shared and feel the same about is this thing of not being as in much in a hurry to get things done as as you know as in normal life um i hope you can't i don't know if you can hear that there's a helicopter flying above Last night we had, uh, well, last three or four days we had this moorland fire, which is, last last year we had a really bad one that was behind us, very, very close to the house. We were saved by road, actually, because uh, it would have got here, would have got all the way to the houses at the back of us. Um, but last night I was watching, I was up quite late last night working on some music, and I, and I was looking out the window behind me here, and I could see the fire uh, over near Darwin, opposite, on the other side of the valley, and luckily that's gone out. But there's been a lot of activity today with uh, police helicopters and ambulances and stuff going on. So it's been a bit of a funny one. But um, but yeah, anyway, sorry to go off on one there. I just thought you might hear that background sound. Um, but yeah, we're talking about this thing of, of not of not feeling like one needs to be as much in a hurry to get certain things done, you know. Um and I, I've really felt that, you know, um, there's, 
there's certain things at work which have been different because they, you know, it's been a, a situation we've had to be very adaptable and things have had to be done very quickly and big decisions have had to be made and then we've had to follow through with them and coordinate that with, you know, staff and things and blah, it's all very boring stuff. And I think we've done a good job of it. But there's sort of other things in life and my, you know, drumming and practicing and things because there's no gigs and there's nothing to actually, there's nowhere to go out and play. And then everything that seems to be done at the moment is this collaboration thing. Like I, at the moment, I was like, somebody asked me today about, oh, can you do this collab? And I was like, yeah, I've just got a little bit of a backlog at the moment. Um, I'm, I've got about four I need to get done. Last week, I was involved in about five different things. Um, and that's great because they've all they've all got a nice pace about them because you you say oh, I can only you know I can only work as quick as I can and and you know it's there's no kind of financial thing involved in in the the sort of collab thing you know when you you know making a video of a standard with some of your mates and everyone puts the videos together and all that kind of stuff um so you just don't feel like you're un, under any pressure to really you know to sort of say, oh, I've got, I've got to get this thing finished, and everyone's demanding your time. It's like I'll just do this when I'm, you know, when I've got time to do it. You're not paying me, and I'm doing this for nothing. I'm doing this for the love of it. So, and then actually, like, yeah, actually, why, why am I not had that attitude more before? And then hold on a minute, why am I not, why am I not feeling like that when I'm practicing? You know, uh, or maybe you know, lots of you are, but I, I, I noticed that suddenly. I was feeling like that when I was practicing and I was suddenly like, this is like the greatest opportunity um, to get some things really right, you know. And the big thing for me, and it's been the, you know, the omnipresent thing in, in most of the things that, you know, you've listened back through all these podcasts or have known me for 25 years, is that I don't feel like I have a very good right foot, you know, and I have some problems down in my feet. I'm not very good on my feet. I'm quite clumsy as well, you know. Um, and so it's been, like, really great these last three months just really working on some stuff in the feet. But then it's just like the more time you spend practicing, the more time you spend in this headspace, you get more and more deeper and deeper and deeper into this thing like Rich was talking about last week where you start looking at the minutiae of things. You go, oh, how, am I, how close am I to the to the subdivision or the grid or whatever? And and uh, I really genuinely think that my bass drum playing from now on, I, I do think it's going to have a better focus. I do think it's going to be more on the money more in time, less rushy, more kind of leading from the beginning of phrases and and just have that kind of confidence, you know. You want to be able to feel like... Um, it's like when you're playing... Like when I'm playing well, I don't think about anything. I'm not... Uh, I don't even know if I'm really listening that um, awarely, but I'm definitely listen, listening subconsciously. There's no, no doubt about that. We listen back to things, and it's like, yeah, it's definitely listening going on there. But um, I do have some thoughts on that on that thing about what you can actively listen to and what you don't really need to actively listen to. Um, and I tend to, if I'm playing, you know, in a jazz quartet, trio, quintet situation, I, I have to have a good bass player. And I'm lucky I do play with a handful of very, very good bass players. And I just 
listen to the bass and it's all I need to do really it's all there you know um, if I'm playing you know um, if I'm playing music like with a singer songwriter with a bigger band and it's bigger venues you know like like for instance my monitor mix will be lead vocal loudest sorry just hit the mic's down there lead vocal loudest if that vocalist is playing the guitar that guitar will be and bass no drums in the monitor everything else will just be a little a nice little sub mix but what i really need to hear is the core of the music you know mm. so yes yeah, really yeah yeah kind of obvious stuff really but but still it's uh, kind of interesting when you really think about um you know what you really listen to and what you really concentrate on um even when you're practicing and i i and i really realized this week that again you know it's just nice to be in this headspace and be constantly in you know in the practice room always because you know i don't when i've been normally go to work and stuff um i don't practice every day um and because I come up here every day, because I work from here, it's away from the house, and I do all my stuff, all my meetings at work and stuff, I come and do it up here, and the bits of teaching that I'm still doing, I do it up here, and um, meet, you know, speak to my boss, and we're talking about planning stuff and bits and bobs, I do it all up here. And in between that, I'm in this space, you know, and uh, at the moment I've got this kind of nice little setup going on, which I've been kind of trying to get sorted out for a while, but the drums, I've got a really nice drum set up at the moment and I'm really enjoying the sound of those drums, especially on recording. I'm really, really enjoying that. It's like a really quite satisfying thing. Um, and the cymbals that I normally use for gigging that don't normally make it onto the practice kit or the, the kit that I have here for recording, that I've been using all those really nice cymbals, the nice hi-hats and ride and stuff. Because I'm not gigging and I'm doing more recording, so the kind of priority has come to that. But in the... In this side of the drum shed where I'm sat now, where I, where the computer is, um, I've got this little bass drum practice pad thing. Uh, so the pedal attaches to it. It's like a foam pad thing. And then I've got my practice pad. And I can just sit, even if I'm doing meetings and stuff, because a lot of the time in these Zoom meetings, the, the mic you have to have the mic on mute. And you only unmute when you speak, you know, which is just stops all the background noise for the people that are you know holding the meetings and um so what i tend to do is um is just do some do some pattern practice left hand left foot and it's been great because my left foot is useless you know it's really really like um i mean it it functions it does what it it, it does what it needs to do it functions it doesn't it doesn't do anything that's exciting you know my my hands i've got good hands and my hands do things that surprise me and thing you know that's great the right foot is the bane of my existence and that's fine and the left foot is just something that's you know it's always been not great and uh yeah i've been really doing a lot with the left foot you know and the thing that i noticed with patterns and practicing certain things in this setup is that i do things better with my left foot than my right foot which is a bit worrying, but I have the same thing with my hands. I have the same, um, I can play quicker with my left hand when I'm really, really warmed up than I can play with my right. Um, 
especially with rebound like finger control, I can play slightly quicker with my left hand. It takes a while to get there, and it's definitely not something that's happening out of the box. The right hand is always quicker out of the box. But the left hand catches up, and then it takes over. Uh, and the left foot, it's kind of got a bit of that vibe going on, which I've really, really realised. Because I've never really spent this kind of time practising the left foot in, that, in this way. You know, I'm just literally playing what I'd play in the right foot with the left foot on this pedal. And um, and then playing patterns with the left hand co connected to that. And then I've just got my right hand on the mouse and my right foot's down next to the computer, you know. So it's been quite a nice way to practice. So I think, you know, one of the things to, to maybe take from that is like opportunity. You know, you just got to like be as opportunist as you can, I think, when you're practicing. Um but also making sure that you are, you know, really focused on a specific small task. And you just don't need to be in any hurry to get there other than playing it correctly, you know, and just take your time. And I realise that I talk about that in teaching all the time, but I'm not very good at doing it myself, you know. Um, but I've seen very good results with students, you know, that have done that and really had the patience, you know. And then the other side of that is is working out, for yourself about how good your concentration span is and being very honest with yourself about going, well, my concentration span is abysmal. You know, I can concentrate for about 40 seconds, you know. Um, and the thing that I've noticed, even recording these podcasts um, and listening back to them, is that I realise how concentrated you have to be you know because you're speaking to nobody for for anything between 45 minutes and an hour and 15 or whatever and you're talking about you know quite abstract kind of concepts and what have you which in some ways makes it easier to speak because you you're just talking nonsense really half the time um but in other ways it's about that thing of not going off on tangents and remembering where to bring the tangent back to you know and uh some of that is about concentration. It's about being aware in the moment of where the, the, the kind of tangents, the lines of the tangents are going, you know, and whether they have any relevance to the actual topic that you are talking about. But uh, it's, I think it's really important to be aware of your concentration span and be very honest with yourself about how good your concentration span is. Um there's one tip that I would give you, and somebody taught me this years and years ago, and it's a really good one. I'm going to have a small swig of the uh, Argus Import Premium Lager before I tell you this little tip. It's a good one. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done this thing called breath counting, and some people think it's, the, it's like a meditation thing or something, and it actually, it can be. <clears throat> Uh, and it can be a little bit almost zenny in a way, but it's it's a good exercise for basically judging how well you're able to concentrate or focus at any time in your life. Because the thing that I notice about me, and this may resonate with you, may not, is that I do not have a consistent, um, I, I don't concentrate consistently. I 
if things different things are going on in my life, then my concentration is not as good as it is when things are going a diff certain different way, you know. Uh, but you can do something about that, and you can at least make yourself aware that that is something that's going on for you. And this thing called the breath game was something that worked really well for me. Uh, and you've got to be 100% brutal with this game. You cannot bullshit yourself. It's a really simple game. So you do it um, when you can find some peace in the day. The easiest time to do it is when you go to bed. Um, some people can do it if they can get into a room, you know, with a bit of quiet and not they're not going to be disturbed. The, the, the key is that you're not going to be disturbed for... You're going to give yourself 15, 10 or 15 minutes, maybe more. If you're in bed, it doesn't matter because you can play the game for as long as you, as long as you like. A lot of people fall asleep playing this game, uh, which is not a bad thing. It's fine. Um, some people use it as a, actually as a technique to fall asleep. But the object of of the way I'm talking about it is maybe don't make that the objective. <laughs> Try and make the objective just a little bit more, maybe, you know, yeah. If you're falling asleep after two breaths and maybe the, the, the game's not working so well, but that's fine. You know, if you're getting a good night's sleep, I'm very jealous because I don't remember the last time I had a good night's sleep. Um, so the game is very simple. You, you count from 10 to zero. Uh, or 10 to 1, you know. Um, and what you do is you breathe in. At the top of the breath, you say 10. And you breathe out. I don't know why I'm simulating the breathing out. You know how to breathe. And then you do it again. You breathe in. And you go 9. Breathe out. Obviously, you guess what the next one is. You breathe in and you say 8, out. And you do that all the way down to one, etc. Okay? Then, when you get down to one, you go from 20 down to one. And the aim of the game, and it's very simple, is to not lose count. If you even have a moment of being unsure of the number that you're up to, you have to start again at 10. 10 down to 1, 20 down to 1, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100. It can go on forever, you know, because numbers are infinite, as we know. So, um, if you're getting to 40 down to 1 with no hesitation or no doubt as to where you are and fully concentrating, you've got really good concentration and focus got that ability to switch other thoughts off because the thing that you may notice when you do this game is random things come into your head and they could be anything and the thing that i know is about myself anyway is if there's certain things going on in my life at the time then these random things come in more and i have to be i have to be slightly more focused with this game to stay and not uh, lose count. And uh, it doesn't matter if things come in and out of your head, that, that's fine. What it, all, all you've got to make sure is you just don't lose count and you stay focused, you know. 
And as long as you don't have any doubt that you're up to, say, you know, 23, breathe out. 22, breathe out, etc. That's fine. I mean, and you can also, you can do the number before you breathe in and out if you want. You can do the number at the end of breathing in and out. It's up to you. That I I I was taught this way, and then I, I, there's some meditation exercise which is very similar. Uh, and this guy who I was learning this thing off, it was the same. They were all doing it at the top of the breath. They call it when you breathe in, when you've got the air into your body, then you acknowledge whatever it is you know the number or whatever else it is that you're acknowledging at that moment. There's something about doing it at that time. That's why I do it that way. But you can do it any way you like. But the, the key is, if you lose count, even if you have a minuscule amount of doubt that it's eight or seven, you're not 100% sure, you have to start again. And if you don't start again, you're wasting your time. So don't bother, <laughs> don't bother doing it. Um, but it's a good one. And you may notice that at different times when you've got different stresses in your life going on or you're, or you're not stressed and you're very content and uh, or you're doing a lot of playing and you feel like you're really in a zone, you may find that you're really all over this game or you find that you're really not all over this game when things are not so great, you know. And it's like, just set the goal, if you're really struggling, of doing five to one and really concentrate five to one, just really get... Five, four, three, two, one. I've had times where I used to do the one I used to start at fifty down to one. That was what the original person that told me to do it was fifty to one, and it was just too hard. So I did ten to twenty, thirty to forty to fifty. But when I first started doing it, and I was going through quite a, it was quite a difficult time in my life in my mid twenties, and uh, I was getting to forty eight, and I was like, "Is it forty eight? And it's like, as soon as you've had that thought. You've got to go 50, start again, you know, nightmare. So it was definitely, uh, it was definitely, I was definitely being affected in the thing by external stuff. And uh, so, so yeah, I went down to this thing of, of just doing like a few numbers, four or five. And, uh, and I found, yeah, I found like I definitely improved my focus and concentration uh, by doing by doing that and and I noticed when I was practicing the same kind of thing is that uh, if I was in similar kind of frames of mind I'd be struggling when I'm practicing to remember totally what I was doing or to be remember where I was within something you know and sometimes I was using this kind of inherent thing of oh I always know where I am in an eight bar or 16 bar phrase or four bar phrase these numbers of these kind of you know or 12 bars you know stuff is all linked to fours and uh, you know, all these kind of common forms that Western music's in, you know, 8, 12, 16, 32 or 24, these different sort of, uh, I inherently feel those kind of amounts of time without without counting them. So I was like realising that I was actually taking quite a lot of that for granted, you know, and uh, when I was like practising exercises and I had to do it for a certain number of time that wasn't linked specifically to those kind of numbers i mean 20 is but 20 is a bit of a weird one you know because you do have to have that awareness after 16 bars of that extra four bars you know um but there's a thing in in practice theory isn't that they, they say two minutes or 20 times whichever one you know 
you should always do a minimum of 20 times, but you might be doing something at a certain tempo that means you do it 20 times and it's over within, you know, 45 seconds. So you do it for two minutes. Um, but a lot of the things that I practice, it's 20 times because we ain't, you know, in two minutes, we've got got through it about 10 or 12 times, you know, even two bar exercises, the speed, the speed I practice things at. I'm, I'm normally going to the 20 times thing, you know. So... So yeah, it was kind of that was kind of the the very end of this kind of paragraph I'd written about taking a time was about this breath game thing and and then these notes kind of all worked their way backwards, you know. Um but it worked its sort of way backwards this thing about subdivision and focusing on subdivision, you know, making sure that it was really, really focused. And no, it was and it was a lot of it was inspired or maybe just refocused or repurposed by what, what Rich was talking about last week when, I was, when he was talking about learning music. Because um, if you want to really perform something um, that's through composed, primarily through composed, that has you know that has options within it for expression, but is fundamentally through composed. It takes a great deal of discipline, I think, on any on any instrument. <clears throat> um, and I think, even, and style-wise, you know, um, I think that that's one of the things. Like I was talking about the this thing about classical musicians in the past, and I studied classically, and I remember how you know I was very good at memorizing things, for instance, uh, most of the time, not all the time, most of the time, and I and I had this kind of ability to. Oh yeah, the patterns in music, you know, like any like any good music has patterns in it that are, that are musical, and music that's not music that's a bit weird and maybe unmusical is harder to learn because it's, it's less logical, you know. Um, and there's nothing there's nothing that's sort of cold in that logic thing. It's nothing to do with that. It's to do with it making musical sense for it, for it to be kind of natural. So there's like logical and natural, and they feel like the same thing to me. And they maybe don't feel like the same thing to some people, but um, <clears throat> but yeah. So hope that wasn't too much of a rambly one, but it was just wanted to share some thoughts really about where things are at in the practice shed at the moment, and um, about what's kind of going to be going on over the next few weeks. But the the, the main thing, yeah, for me at the moment has been really trying to like hone in focus in on specific issues and use this time to uh to take the time to just you know iron out some of these problems it's never going to be completely ironed out uh there's always going to be new opportunities and as you know the better you get yeah, I mean, I feel like I know less about all of this than I've ever known because I know more now than I've ever known, and uh, and I hear more, and I hear more in other players, and I think about you know how good some players are, how how rhythm and that whole contemporary jazz thing and polyrhythms and stuff we were talking about last week with Rich and this whole like evolution of rhythm is um you know i feel like i need another lifetime to even catch up to where we are now you know in in relation to that side of of the evolution 
of 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 the of the music that I'm kind of involved in, and also that kind of polymath or you know uh, proggy kind of music, which is again it's amazing music that's got amazing it's it's, a, it's like compositionally amazing and it, it requires you know great focus and uh and preparation and understanding on a deep level to be able to play that music freely you know so anyway yeah um i think that's kind of i think that's enough today i think i've gone on a bit too long so yeah, I'm hoping next week's podcast is going to be this, uh, what's his thing, Drum Summit. I think I might call it Drum Summit or something. Me and my friend Errol Roberts, who's a drummer, a great drummer, lives here in Manchester, and um, I mentioned this before, we always have this Symbol Summit thing. We get together every so often, randomly, and we bring loads of symbols to, I go to his or he comes to mine, and then we just, talk nonsense for about five hours uh, uh mainly well, it can be about anything actually we and i will end up talking about all kinds of stuff but uh but we always we're always sort of trying out um each other's symbols as well you know we've always got this kind of thing oh we've got this new ride oh i've got this old one oh, got, yeah yeah like, and i end up buying a couple of things off him last time he came here which was a genius move of his of course um but uh, yeah, I got some nice new symbols recently, and I've not really had time chance to play any of them. You know, it's a real shame. Got two beautiful Mel Lewis rides. Uh, got a twenty and this nineteen, which I drilled. I put two rivets in it. It was a a, a bit of a. It was a find at Johnny Roadhouse Music. Actually, it was on. I just went in there to see my good friend Lee Mullen one Friday, and this symbol was had actually come in on this Part X. And it was at the right money, you know. Um, it had a bit of a horrible scratch on it. And it was a little bit bright for me. Because there was a sort of period of those Mel Lewis rides. I, I, have, I had a couple. I had an 18, which I really liked and sold to an ex-student, actually. And I should never really sold it. But he loved that symbol. And he was begging me to sell it to him for, for three years, nearly. Philippe. And he ended up with it. and uh, Which is great. And, he, you know, and, you know, I was prepared to sell it. So there you go. You can't lament about these things, can you? Uh, which I sadly always do. Um, and then I had the 19, which I bought when I had my endorsement, and I got that direct from Dispute, and I didn't like that symbol. It had this lacquer on it, which was like smooth and shiny. It was a bit of a weird thing, and it was where they'd kind of gone with the Mel Lewis range at that point. They'd gone away from this slightly like rougher, more natural symbol finish to this slightly more brilliant... I just didn't like the way the stick felt when you you hit the cymbal and it also had a slight brightness in the sound. And this ride's a little bit like that, but I drilled it, put two rivets in it, and it sounds mega now, you know. It's got that real 60s sound uh, with the rivets. The rivets have just given it that kind of authenticity, you know. Um, so that was, I was using that cymbal on the right. And then I got my other Mel Lewis 20, which I've just bought, uh, which is beautiful symbol, just a 20-inch regular Mellowist 1982, and then my special edition 21, which I use all the time, which is on the kit that I can see it at the moment, which is I've been using. Um, but yeah, and I bought some other symbols, and I've just not had a chance to use any of them, which is a real shame. Um, so I'm kind of hoping, yeah, let's get the gigs going again soon. Um, we'll see how the next month or so go. Hopefully there will be there won't be any kind of 
spike, as they call it, in cases and things will start to return to normal-ish. Um, so yeah, have a have a great week, and I will be yeah. Hopefully, um, next episode will be out on next Sunday, and will hopefully be this episode we're going to record on Tuesday, uh, or it might come out a couple of weeks later. But uh, yeah, we'll see how we get on. But so yeah, thanks for listening, and bye for now.